very annoyed right now. I just recorded a whole episode, 40 minute episode, and then I replayed it back. There are like a thousand skips in the episode where they call them like dropouts, where the sound just didn't pick up. So it's like skipping all over the place. And I think it's because of my microphone. So I'm recording right now on my computer, basically with my computer microphone. And I really hope that this works out okay because I'm very upset and I'm really annoyed. (laughs) Oh God. So this episode is going to come out later than expected due to technical delays. So sorry about that. But also, you know, you just can't win with (laughs) this microphone. God, this microphone has lasted me for what, like three years? Maybe four? So maybe it's time to replace it. It was like $30 microphone on Amazon. Pretty good, I guess. Lasted all this time. But welcome to the Marriage Podcast. I'm recording in a really weird position because I have to talk into the MacBook mic. So apologies if this episode sounds really bad audio-wise. Will improve once I get a new microphone. But hi (laughs) yeah i thought my last episode that i recorded went so well so now i just have to restate everything and i think i can do it obviously i can do it but it's just gonna be weird for me it's gonna be like deja vu e so i guess i'll start off by saying that i am bringing back the ramble of the week because i was listening back to my old episodes and i was like oh yeah i used to call this segment at the beginning or just talk about like what's been going on in my life, the ramble of the week, or just something. So my ramble of the week today is I am back into reading mystery novels. Oh my god, I'm so excited. I watched Glass Onion, which is like the Knives Out mystery by Ryan Johnson. So good. It reminded me how much I love mystery books mystery novels just mystery in general so i got i went to the library and i got death on the nile by agatha christie and i'm doing this thing where i'm trying to solve the book while reading it and it's taking forever it's taking a long time usually i read agatha christie's and i like know like two characters and i just speed through to try and figure out the mystery but this time i'm like okay i'm gonna really slow down and try and figure this out because I think it could be so fun and I'm really excited to do that so yeah catch me now (laughs) solving death on the nile it's already so juicy and I'm already like I'm only 22 pages in so I will update you along the way as to who I think is the killer as things progress (laughs) Oh my god, I'm still kind of reeling, I don't know if you can tell, over the fact that I recorded a 40-minute episode, and the audio is all bad. So, yeah, very fun. But last episode, the previous one, hold on, I'm gonna readjust myself. The previous episode, I also talked, the previous episode being the one that I recorded and lost all the audio to, I talked about how I'm almost done with all my college applications, and... I am, and the advice that I gave in that episode, gonna reference this episode that you guys have never heard, is to spread yourself out. So basically, over winter break, I was working on my college essays. I was like, I'm gonna write two essays per day. And 
that's all I'm gonna do. I'm gonna stop myself. If I feel like I wanna write three, I'm gonna say no, you're only gonna write two. And that way I'm not gonna burn out writing a bunch of essays. But I'm also going to get everything done on time. And so I found this process of writing these essays actually really enjoyable because I would be like, okay, I'm going to write one essay from like 10 to 11.30. Then I'm going to sit down and write another one from like 4 to 5.30. In between, what was I doing? You know, relaxing. It's vacation. But that way, I kind of segmented myself and really didn't burn out while in the process of writing these essays, which can be a very tiring process. And so yeah, I would just give you guys advice. If you're dealing with something in the new year, especially school, work, writing college essays, whatever, what have you, I would say just like try to schedule yourself out so you're not doing your entirety of a week's work on like three days and then relaxing on the other four days. That sounds good in theory because it sounds like you have, you need less time to think about work, but that's really just going to make you detest that working time. And I think that the best way to strike a balance with work and hobbies is, and like downtime, is to not think about work as a negative thing and just kind of get like a a neutral tone with it. Maybe even find it enjoyable. (laughs) But, um balancing yourself in the way where you're doing a little bit every day is better in the long run. And I'm definitely a person who normally works like, I'm going to do all my work today and then I'm going to sleep through the rest of the week. (laughs) But that is, it really causes burnout like too much to a big extent. So I would recommend, especially for perfectionists out there and people like type A people, workaholics, just try that. Try to balance your life because that's ultimately like the goal. The goal is not to not work ever. The goal is not to like have unlimited leisure time because it will make you hate your leisure time too. The goal is to have balance between everything. And finally, 17 years into this world, I'm finally starting to understand that that's literally the truth. Like I thought that I would be happy if I could work like two days out of a week and then rest the rest of the time, like not think about work at all. And when I say work, I'm really referring to school. But the best thing and that has helped me the most is to balance, do a little bit every day. And yeah. Okay. So there you go. That was my ramble of the week. Now I'm just going to rehash everything that I just said like 30 minutes ago. Um, So for me, it will be deja vu, all of it. For you, it's new listening and probably bad listening because audio is probably bad. But today we are talking about self-hatred, which I think is a really interesting topic to dive into, to undergo. And I want to start by talking about self-hatred in terms of physical self-hatred or external validation. It's kind of, because when I was kind of like structuring what I wanted to talk about this episode, I thought of like two ways, (laughs) it's going to sound bad, two ways that I primarily hate myself. One is, mm, I would say like input from others. So what I look like, my intelligence, my personality. Those are things that I think like 
I, I would call them maybe like physical factors, even though I know intelligence and personality is not really physical, but it helps separate it from the second category, which is to me hitting yourself morally, thinking you're a morally bad person. So those are the two ways that like I think that my self-hatred really manifests and I want to talk about them each individually because I think they're a little bit different in how, why we hate ourselves, how we should deal with them, etc. So the first thing that I'm going to talk about is the physical aspect. So not really physical, but body image, looks, uh, intelligence, personality, um, how other people perceive you in that way. The, I want want to talk about, obviously, I'm going to always start out with my own experience with the topic. So the first time that I started to hate myself or that I like got a big insecurity that really like internalized in how I acted was my ears. And this was in third grade. I just one day, randomly, I looked around and I was like, huh everyone else's ears are like close to their face and my ears stick out a lot and that was like the first time that I was like I don't like this about myself like I don't think this is good so this insecurity probably this insecurity happened or progressed from third grade when I was eight years old to like sixth grade when I was like 11 so it was three year long insecurity and I think it was especially formative because it was during elementary school and it was like one of the first biggest insecurities I had had and I remembered fourth grade one time we were reading this book about this girl named Roxy who <laughs> I don't know that's not important but um she was like bullied or whatever for having big ears that stuck out and I remember this girl sitting next to me just like unprovoked <laughs> just said to me like you're just like Roxy, like, you're just like the girl in the story because of your ears, and I was like, oh my god, that really, like, crushed me. It was just an offhand comment. I don't know if that person meant any harm. It doesn't really matter, but it just made me feel so upset. Okay, I was just checking to see if the bad thing was happening to the audio. It's not. We're all good, so I'm gonna keep talking. So, that insecurity like was so internalized and made me hate myself because from third grade to fifth grade I tried to tape back my ears with like scotch tape to try to get them to stick closer to my face that was something that really affected me and like I even looked up like is there surgery that you can get to get your ears like closer to your face or whatever um so yeah it was really I was in fourth grade I was nine years old already thinking like could I get the surgery or something and so that was like something that really made me dislike myself and made me feel bad about who I was and also similarly when I developed an insecurity about my eye eyes so I'm Asian I'm Chinese and I have monolithic eyes which means I don't have a crease in my eye and I always talk about this because it truly is one of my biggest insecurities and has been I try to like tape back my eyelids, I looked into, like, getting double eyelid surgery. This was when I was, like, 10 years old, thinking, like, this is, this is what I need to do because I don't like how I look. I, I hate this, actually, about myself. I dislike this. And when I was younger, I definitely had, I think, more insecurities than the normal person. And 
I think this is a result of the particular environments that I grew up in. It's not like pinpointed down to one thing, but it's like an amalgamation of things. So I grew up as a dancer. I grew up like really caring about my academics. And one thing that I think really messed me up, like in terms of how I physically like thought about myself, how I thought about my looks, is that I thought like my mom was the ideal of beauty. I thought my mom was so beautiful and she still is. I still think she's very beautiful. But I don't look like my mom at all. So I was like kind of insecure that I didn't look like this ideal beauty in my life that I thought was like the the most be- like the ideal thing thing person that I should look like. So that I feel like really really had an effect on me in that I grew up very insecure about myself and that led to a lot of hatred about what I look like. And you know, in this society a lot of times what you look like is an indicator of your morality of whether you're a good person or not. So you know, like, not looking beautiful also didn't make me think that I was beautiful in any other ways. I wasn't a good person because I didn't, like, look nice or whatever. And as I got older and older, I also started to develop self-hatreds around my intelligence level, thinking that I was an imposter, if you, if you would say that. <laughs> like, thinking I'm not smart enough to be in this class. Everyone says that I'm smart, but I'm not actually smart. Like, they don't even know like, they're all dumb. (laughs) They don't know that, they don't know I'm actually not smart or anything like that. I just was so insecure about my intelligence and my looks, and it just made me think that, like, there was something so wrong with me, and that really made me hate myself. And the thing that I've come to realize is that the reason that we, like, hate ourselves is not that, like, it's a natural thing to do. I don't think it's a natural thing to do. Like, I genuinely think if you were in a void, you wouldn't care about what you look like. You wouldn't care about your intelligence or anything. It's all a result of your external indicators. So, for example, external indicators, offhanded comments, like, from that girl about my ears, from other people, about my weight, about my eyes, or whatever. That all made me, like, hate those aspects of myself. I never hated them before, you know? Like, I, those were things that, like, externally, because of the things I've seen, because of the things people said to me, I developed insecurities and self-hatred rooted in what other people were doing, what other people were saying. And same thing intelligence-wise. What's the measure of your intelligence? What your teachers are saying to you? What the grades you're getting? Um, you know, like, if your teachers are complimenting you, they're giving you A's, you're intelligent. If they're not, and they're giving you bad grades, or C's, see even the bad grades, see if they're giving you C's, you're not smart. So those things are, like, external validators that it kind of, like, pushes aside what your internal validations might be. Like, you have a subject that you really enjoy studying, you think it's interesting, if you're not getting the A's, if you're not getting the teacher compliments, like, it can really mess with how you feel about that, how you feel about your intelligence in the subject, how you feel about your relationship to the subject, whereas, like, you just might genuinely enjoy it, but you're not getting good grades in it. That could make you hate it and hate yourself in relation to the subject. 
which is just messed up because you liked it in the first place, you know? Or I think about, like, because I grew up a dancer, the external validation in dance is so forward. It's just everything about dance is external validation. How you look like when you're dancing in the mirror, what your teachers are saying to you, how you look like when you're performing, is your legs straight, you know, like, that's, like, all external things, which is pushing aside what you're feeling, what you're internally feeling. Are you happy when you're dancing? Do you enjoy it? Do you feel, like, the expression? Is that good for you? Like, all those things are pushed aside to answer to and submit to external validation. And I think the problem is that when you take external validation as the sole indicator and then when you internalize that so say like you get positive external validation you get into college hooray that's a big validation for some people for me too and you get that you feel suddenly so happy so joyful because you think your intelligence your self-worth has been validated by this college that has accepted you now let's say you get rejected now you suddenly feel so upset about that because this rejection has validated or confirmed your self-hatred. It doesn't validate you in your worthiness, you know? It, like, says that you're not smart, that you're not worth it, or you haven't done enough, or anything like this. That is, like, I think a clear sign of you're relying too much on what other people are saying about you, and then you're internalizing that to the point where it's like, I could determine my own self-worth based on not how I'm feeling, but how other people are feeling about me. And then I internalize that too. And it can also get to the point where I think it is for me and for a lot of people, where you're so like insecure that you validate yourself based on how you think other people would perceive you. Like, you don't think you're pretty unless you think other people would think you are pretty, which is so meta, but also so terrible in that sense. It's just really disheartening to think about that. And I definitely come from a place of, well, I'd be the first to say that I'm very insecure about who I am. I'm not very confident and not very secure in what I think I can bring to the table. In fact, I think like, eh, probably could not bring very much. So that like negative self-talk that you first get externally. You first get like, oh, I got a bad grade. Then you're like, oh, I'm kind of not worth anything because I got a bad grade. Like, all that negativity that you push into yourself is so harmful, but also, like, it kind of is the saying where it's like, you are your worst enemy because you are creating these ideas about yourself that are based on ideas other people have taught to you or spoken about to you or pushed onto you, you know? So I think that the way to kind of address this specific self-hatred is to just recognize why do you hate yourself? You know, like what has led up to this point? What external validation or lack of validation has caused you to think in this way or behave in this way? And I think it definitely comes with time. And for me, like, I don't want to sound like preachy or anything, but I feel like I've definitely gotten better at it the more that I, like, distance myself from it. Like, when I'm out of school, I can think of, like, oh, god, like, my worth is so dependent on, like, 
whether my teacher compliments me after I answer a question or not, you know? And I can see that and I'm like, that's just like not good. I can recognize that like I should be happy in myself just solely based on what I do rather than I'm happy because someone else is validating what I do. Or same thing at dance. I should be happy because I love to dance or I'm having fun while I'm dancing rather than my teacher said, oh, that was good. Or I got like a a lead role or something or whatever. So it's just like recognizing that and then recognizing that when you were younger, you had experiences that like built you up into feeling a certain way and you're not going to be able to fix that overnight it's probably safe to say probably always going to be a part of you but it's just being able to recognize that and so that way you kind of know that it's like it's something that you can take control of as well it's not something that where it's like completely unsolvable because there are events that have shaped you into this way and then I think like this year I've made so much progress in not feeling completely like I need to have external validation all the time. Like, for example, over the summer, I got, like, one of my AP scores back. It was, like, a good score. And I remember feeling like, huh, I don't feel validated right now that I got a good score in this test. Like, it doesn't change how I'm feeling about myself right now. And I was like, because this subject... I know my experiences with this subject, you know? Like, I know what I've went through. I have things that are unrelated to it. Let's just say it was math. I'm, I'm having, I have a relationship to math, and I have my own, I don't like, self tied to math. You know, like, I feel good about myself maybe when I solve a math problem all by myself or whatever. Getting a good score on a test that's determined by some random, like, teacher in Tennessee, or that's, like, put on a random curve or whatever just stuff that's like out of my control it doesn't validate me it doesn't make me like feel better about it you know and like that's a really rare thing for me because I used to be so test oriented and I still kind of am but like just like it seemed like a small thing in the moment but looking back it's huge like I didn't need the the good score on the test to validate how I feel about myself in the subject like dang, that's that's good for me. So, yeah, I think, like, because I was aware of, like, uh, well, I'm always dependent on my scores, but it doesn't, like, change how I feel about a subject, that helped when I got to that moment that I was, like, okay, I don't need this to validate myself. I don't need this to prove that I'm good at math or whatever. I'm secure in what I can do. So, that was really nice. Next, I want to talk about self-hatred in relation to thinking, like, you're ethically and morally a terrible person. So I want to give an example. So right now I am very into sustainable fashion, very into secondhand shopping, and I have been since like ninth grade, ever since I watched the True Cost documentary, which was really good. When I was younger, before I watched this documentary actually, in like eighth and seventh grade, I loved to shop. And I would buy a lot of clothes and I got a lot of happiness from buying clothes. I think every middle schooler or even high schooler, some point in your life, you like go through this like shopping therapy, retail therapy part of your life. But I bought a lot of clothes and I bought a lot of clothes from not so good stores. And after I learned about 
you know, the negative effects of fast fashion and whatever, I couldn't help but, like, deeply hating myself for my past actions, for buying all this clothes, for, you know, creating all this quote-unquote waste, for, like, contributing to these negative systems. And I felt, like, such deep shame and anger and hatred toward myself for acting in that way. Although, like, now I primarily shop secondhand and I primarily shop from sustainable clothing brands, there are instances where I do buy clothes from, like, just a regular store in the mall, which isn't very sustainable. And I, like, catch myself, and I do this a lot, where, like, I use this as confirmation. Like, this one, say I go buy clothes at a American Eagle or whatever. I use that as a way to, like, confirm that I'm a terrible person. And I use that to confirm that, like, I'm still just as bad as I was when I was younger. And there are two problems with that. The first problem is that, like, when you were younger, you didn't have the same moral standards. When I, I didn't know that fast fashion was so bad, and I didn't create this moral belief that I shouldn't participate in this system. I always catch myself being upset and angry at the ways that I've acted in the past, like, the behavior that I've exhibited or whatever, being mean to other people, or gossiping behind other people's backs. It's like, those are bad things. I can say that. I, I can see it now. I'm seeing shopping fast fashion all the time. Bad. Gossiping about people behind their backs. Bad. But, like, those are, like, moral beliefs that I have really cemented in myself now as a 17-year-old. So, why are you hating on what you did when you were 12 when you probably should have known better but didn't know better? You know, like, you were in a different environment then. And you cannot hate yourself for what you did in the past when you didn't know things. That's not productive at all. And in fact, it's actually, I would, I would think it would be counterproductive because it makes you feel like you always need to act in a certain way, you know, and you can't ever make any mistakes because you're going to look back at it and you're going to hate yourself. But like, if I hadn't made those mistakes... Or if I hadn't acted in that manner, then I wouldn't have come to, like, the conclusion that I was at now. If I wasn't into fashion, then I wouldn't have watched the fashion documentary that taught me about fast fashion and its harmful effects. And, moreover, acting maybe in a way that isn't in align with your morals now isn't an indicator of you being a terrible person. It's not a confirmation that you can build upon with your past actions because, like, that's simply not true. Like, what you're doing now isn't a reflection of your past, really. Like, I think you have to, like, separate that. Now you're a different person. You have these beliefs, and it's not like your old self peeking through, I think, is what we get scared of. Like, if you start gossiping about someone behind your back, you're like, oh my god, that's so juvenile of me, you know? Like, I can't believe I'm acting like my old self. No, it's it's not the same thing because you have different morals and standards and separating yourself from when you were younger allows you to see that like you are not the same person, like you're a changed person. You cannot use your actions now and compound them with your actions in the past to confirm that you're a terrible person now. Those are two separate things that is something that has brought me a lot of clarity because I definitely have felt ashamed and upset about things that I've done in the past because 
now my morals have changed, my values have changed, and I don't believe in those things or whatever. But it's just like, the, the way you acted back then was a product of your environment back then. And if you make a quote-unquote mistake or a slip-up or whatever now, that's not a reflection of you being an inherently bad person because you also acted that way in the past when you considered yourself to be a worse person. I feel like, I don't know if that makes sense, but I hope it does because it's like brought me a lot of clarity now. This conversation comes up a lot when we talk about like canceling people for, you know, saying bad things like racist or bigoted things. And that's like definitely a touchy subject, but I always believe in second chances. I believe in like changing because if I didn't believe in second chances, like girl, (laughs) I wouldn't be able to forgive myself for like things that I've done in the past that are bad. The whole discourse about cancel culture can be like co-opted by people who say like it's really bad um, and try to use that as political like fuel. But I'm saying like, I think not that we shouldn't quote-unquote cancel people that we should accept that people can change and be open to that and I think like I it might be naive of me but I always think that people have good intentions I try to like think open-mindedly especially about new people that they have and lead with good intentions because I would want people to think the same way about me so yeah anyways um I hope this was a good episode and it was a re dated episode for me. (laughs) I'm still like reeling over that, but I hope this brought you some clarity and just know that I don't hate you. If you need the external validation, you shouldn't hate you. And, you know, sometimes we rely on and need the external validation. So hopefully there's that for you. You guys can follow me on Instagram if you want at mirimagepod. Email me at mirimagepod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to the first episode of season four. I'm so excited and I kind of want to do a rebrand. Every season or so, I usually do like a rebrand with a different logo and like different graphics and whatever. So I might do that. I'm kind of like itching to get on Canva and make something new. But um, let me know what you guys think. And I hope you guys are having a great start to your new year. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next week. Bye!